0: The Data Reaper Podcast is a companion which provides extra insight into the weekly report found at ViciousSyndicate.com. Join us for a deeper dive into the numbers to help you improve your Hearthstone game.
1: Hello and welcome to episode 56 of the Data Reaper Podcast. I am your host, Ridiculous Hat. I am joined as always by the person who never draws flow on two, Zach O. Zach, how you doing?
0: How you doing, Hats? I do draw a flow. It's just on three now. It doesn't matter. I
1: guess that's true. Just to cover the housekeeping real quick. We know that there are nerfs coming next Tuesday. So we're not going to have a report next uh, Thursday. The next report after that will actually be Thursday the 9th. And then after that, the next podcast. Well, the next podcast will be on time. Saturday, uh, uh, September 4th. Hopefully we'll give an early It will look. be
0: a new meta podcast. So that's very much... Uh,
1: yeah, we we get a lot of those recently. It'll be our third new meta podcast since the expansion came out a month ago.
0: Kind of crazy, but yeah, they're making very frequent uh, balance changes. Though these uh these ones seem to be driven uh through uh from different uh motives, but we'll talk about that later, obviously. Yes, we will. Um But first, we should
1: talk about the standard meta because we have... Report 205 just came out, and uh, well, the first class Warlock Zach, it seems like there have been developments in D6 Warlock, maybe some different dice to be rolled, but the first deck, one of the best in the format is Handlock, as you predicted last week.
0: Yeah, yeah, I I do think that this is the best deck in the format. Um... It's just extremely well-rounded. It, is, it has pretty much every tool required to succeed. Uh, it has very few counters. Basically, Steeler Walllock is a counter, which is kind of funny because it basically keeps Handlock in check and preventing it from being more powerful than it already is. And then there's Mage. Uh, those are your best options. Hunter can do well, but it's very tech-dependent. The Warlock can... Like, if you play Baker as a Warlock, then suddenly that matchup is no longer uh, Hunter-favored, and um, it's pretty much close. Uh, Shadow Priest doesn't beat this deck either. Uh, You have to go with things like Poison Rogue and, you know, Quest Demon Hunter with Glide... Ooh. All sorts of very niche strategies in order to try and target this deck, but in general, it it's just it's just very very good and and difficult to beat, uh, with just a deck that you know plays Hearthstone and try to circumvent the game, which is kind of what the uh, what its primary counters try to do. Um, yeah, Rand, hell of a card. I think Sobren is a card that. I can see being nerfed in the future uh, because of just the, the early game board dominance. Uh, this deck isn't really a quest deck, but the deck quest does help it uh, achieve a few things. One, it procs Flesh Giants, so that's good. The second, it allows you to play soul Soulbend without getting outvalued in a late game, right? Because you don't mind burning your deck since fatigue is a clock on your opponent rather than yours. Uh, and that is the main thing that makes Sovereign and Sundly so good as a card compared to before this expansion where it was just never touched, right? Uh, because it wasn't worth it. Because if you, like, let's say you play against Control Priest and you don't have the fatigue killing your opponent, then they can deal with your giants. Like, they play Shadow of Death, Hysteria, or whatever. They clear everything. And then they just win because you run out of threats and you go into Fatigue. But with Demon Seed, the, the dynamic completely changes against like ast- attrition strategies where you're just, you have the inevitability, right? So you have the tools required to make the mill package successful thanks to the quest. And you have really good threat density thanks to raised Dead and Flesh Giant. Um... And you have really good removal, like insane pack of removal, like great package of all sorts of health breakpoints that's very difficult to play around.
1: And everything feels like it gains you life in the process. The removal is very efficient at not only stabilizing the board, but it's stabilizing your life total and undoing all the self-damage. It's... I, I am certain that some part of this deck is going to get nerfed, but the amount of synergy in the deck does make it an absolute blast to play because it feels like all of your cards work so, so well together. And this is, I don't know if this is the delete lock package they envisioned working, but the Demon Seed makes it really just flourish.
0: Yeah, that's pretty much what makes it work um, because you have that, that late game inevitability and you don't mind going into Fatigue. But in terms of completing the quest, honestly, if you play this deck, uh, it's like the large majority of matchups are not determined by Tamsin, by Big Tamsin at all. Um, this deck has quite a few options in terms of final few slots. We've opted this week uh, to go with Neophyte. It makes total sense. You look at all the things that try to target Handlock right now. As it rises in popularity, um, Quest Mage, you're looking at Stealer Warlock, you're looking at Quest Demon Hunter with Glide, Poison Rogue. All of these strategies are vulnerable to neophytes. Um, Neophyte is not a card that you keep in the mulligan in order to play on turn 2 against them, no. No. You use Neophyte to complement the rest of your threats in order to make it more difficult for your opponent to deal with them. That is the key for Neophyte, and using Neophyte at the right moment is very important. Like a Lothab. You gotta use it like a Lothab. Yes, because if you play... Because, no, because I'm seeing people, they keep Neophyte and they play it on two against Mage. And the Mage just plays First Flame, request says thank you very much, and moves on. It doesn't help. You want to play Neophyte alongside threats, if you can, in order to disrupt their ability to respond to what you're doing. If you're just playing a Neophyte alone on the board, then it's not going to be super impactful. They're not going to care as much. Yes, you're stalling them, but the usage is not going to be as effective. But Neophyte later in the game becomes more useful as a card that helps you uh, stick your threats uh, on the board and then push uh, aggression. Uh, but, yeah, so Neophytes seems really good. Obviously, you can cut the Neophytes also and run, like, second Unstable Shadow Blast. You can plan Baker if you want to be better against aggressive decks. Then Baker is very good because it just... You look at Shadow Priest, uh, Face Hunter, uh, um, a lot of these decks just try to burn you down. And Baker just gives you that extra heal, big heal, that makes them, like, nullifies their pressure. And Baker and Raise dead is pretty gross too. So that's a thing that happens. Uh, in terms of other tech, like a lot of people are trying all sorts of things. And I think because Handlock is so powerful, you can get away with running some weird cards in the deck and still do well. Uh, I've, th- I've seen Altar of Fire being played, which can be good against certain strategies, but usually it's useless <laughs> in most matchups um it's not worth running just to activate your scavengers and you don't need to do that uh and then like there's entitled customer which pretty much is only good in the mirror it's really good in the mirror though it's really really good in the mirror but it's bad overall. it's good in the mirror but it's like it's useless like it's useless against Steeler warlock it's almost not relevant at all and in other matchups like you're not looking to nook your own board right it's just Comes in too late and is kind of redundant with Solwyn. Like Solwen already does the job and does it earlier, so you don't even need a title customer. Who knew that we would be saying this right now before the expansion that Solwyn is going to take over and, and make <laughs> uh, entitled cons uh, customer obsolete on arrival. That's pretty. That's pretty funny.
1: I think this will, in history, probably go down as one of the least well evaluated expansions ever. Uh just because it was really hard to see this kind of environment coming.
0: It 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 was just very hard to predict all of those things. I don't think anybody knew what was gonna happen. I don't think anybody expected that this meta would be what what's happening. You know, there are other cards also seen playing handlock um that can work. I've seen people run Midril rod. like I've seen Mana Feeder, uh Panthera started seeing that card coming in. Um just to just to draw more, like just to have even more drawing power, which makes sense, right, with the deck since it wants to get to the end of its deck or at least get to ten cards left, and that that's when there's a massive power spike happening. Oh uh, yeah, people are running vipers. Probably not worth it unless you see a billion Steeler Warlocks. Then maybe it's worth it. Uh, but yeah, pretty much anything works. Like you can put two wisps. As the final two cards in the deck, and I, I think it would still be powerful uh, because it, it's just that good. I think this deck is just that good.
1: Well, on an individual card choice, it's going to matter a lot less when you get to draw so many cards per game.
0: That is also true to an extent, but uh, but yes,
1: don't play two wisps. Play play cards that are better than wisp.
0: You'll still do fine, I think, with wisp. <laughs> uh,
1: yeah. So that's that's hand log. Talk about D6
0: or D8 Warlock. Yeah, so Steel Warlock obviously not performing super well on ladder. That's an understatement. It's not performing well at all at most rank brackets, except Top Legend where it starts looking reasonable because it has a high skill cap hat. It has a high skill cap hat, but... Even with that skill cap, I'm not seeing the dominant uh, oppressive force, uh, oppressive force that people promised that it would be. Uh, but it is competitive. It is a playable deck at, at high levels of play. It's just not as good as Handlock. I think it's mostly a, a, a good counter to Handlock. It's a good counter to Shaman. Uh, those are two of the most influential decks in the format. Uh, that, that counts for a lot. But when it comes to generally its matchup spread, it's vulnerable to a lot of things. It's vulnerable to aggressive strategies, which Handlock is not. Um, It's vulnerable to other things that Handlock is very resilient to. So the deck is not... Like, I wouldn't say it's a well-rounded deck. It's just... It has its uses. Like, I'm not saying it's a trash deck or a garbage deck. It's definitely competitive and can be good. Uh, I can definitely envision a situation... Um, where this deck looks very strong. Uh, if people are just coming in playing handlock quest shaman, then you can get a major edge by Q and Steeler Warlock. Uh so I can understand why you would see success at very high legend uh on on quite like quite often, but the deck is not unstoppable and it's not unbeatable, and I really wish that people would not declare decks to be the best. 3 hours into a patch, I think maybe we should learn not to do that. Also considering that basically the reason why this deck got so much hype is because um Bly's, right? He hit number 1 legend with it on like within hours of the patch with Steeler Warlock. Gabby hit number 1 legend as well. Funny though, hat um uh, he then had an insane win rate at number 1 legend with Celestial Druid had an insane win rate with Quest Demon Hunter.
1: He's been crushing it. He's been crushing it with Clyde.
0: Yes, and he's also had an ins- a-, a really good win rate at number one legend with Big Warrior. Mm. So maybe Big Warrior is the best deck because Bly's won games, had a 70% win rate with Big Warrior at number one legend. Maybe that should teach people that it's Bly's, it's not the freaking deck. <laughs> But yeah, uh, it just blies. <laughs> Making meta reads, going with celestial druid, playing twenty games, not hitting a single aggro deck in that run, and hitting mages and poison rogues, and just reading the field well. Like he, like if you looked at what he was queuing into, like you can understand why he went seventeen and three with celestial druid. But that doesn't mean that celestial druid is good throughout most of ladder uh right so we should keep those things in mind and not fixate on the rank on the screenshot and the you know the screenshot of the rank we should think about okay what was he queuing into was he queuing into a field that's very different from the field that i am queuing into if that is the case then that could very very much make a difference in the performance of this deck and like Celestial Druid is a really good example. This could be the best deck in the format if you if what you're seeing is Steeler Warlocks, Quest Mages, and Poison Rogues. This deck is nuts, right? But if you're seeing hunters, Shadow Priests, maybe even Paladins, not so much, right? Shamans, even it's not as a gimme matchup. So makes a difference. Um so people just shouldn't overreact early and declare best decks within 3 hours of the patch and then try to double down when they end
1: up being wrong i mean we asked this right like this is what we asked um last podcast and i understand the the how powerful that it felt to when you lost this deck it felt like they're breaking every rule there is but it it, it has been interesting to see how much the play rate has dropped like a rock over the past week.
0: Yeah, it started at 20%. Remember, last podcast? Yeah. I told you, it was 20% play rate at Top Legend. And now, over the last 24 hours, it's 10% play rate at Top Legend. So if this deck was the dominant oppressive force that it was supposed to be, I don't think a dominant oppressive force halves its play rate within a week. Like, right? That doesn't make sense. That doesn't... That's not indicative of an oppressive force that's unstoppable. Uh, But, uh, you know... But I can see this deck being good in some situations. I can see this deck being competitive. But oppressive tier S is a narrative that I just couldn't accept. And you just cannot accept. It's just exaggeration, Hat.
1: Yeah. It's... People were playing really greedy jank and then they were dying from hand from 20 to the new Shutterwalk. it reminds me a lot actually a ton of early witchwood Shutterwalk walk of like long animations and a full from hand kill and good removal and it the deck was not that good at that time and sealer's not that good this time we're seeing that in the play rate but it it, it upsets people and it, it seems like it won't be around that much longer anyways you don't
0: have to worry about it however i mean there's a good reason to be upset about it it's nonsense Sure. Like, I'm, li- I'm sitting there, like, they play Free Admission, they go off on turn 5, I'm sitting there like an idiot, waiting for animations to resolve just to make my next play, when the game is pretty much already over. That's how this deck wins. And that's nonsense, that's not Hearthstone, that's why this deck should be deleted. It's nothing to do with its power, or perception of power, or whether... Uh, uh, This deck is uh, a high skill cap, that a top legend, it's unstoppable, whatever. It doesn't matter. What matters is the fact that this deck is not really a Hearthstone deck and breaks the game, literally breaks the game because of animation timing and it sucks to play against and also is pretty sucky to play as well. It just feels bad overall, all in all. And there's a good case to say that Stealer of uh, Souls is a card that should have never been printed. I can also understand that argument. Um it's just a card that that just shouldn't be in the game because turning your like having an infinite like the potential to infinitely uh swap your health into mana is something that can easily break the game. Right? This is not uh um this is not like a, a highly conditional uh uh, potentially infinite mana usage like celestial alignment right you need to set it up it's harder to do that it's 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 uh symmetrical so your opponent can abuse it as well that's kind of the that's kind of the 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 cost that you need to put into absurd mana cheating uh like seven mana do nothing right and when you do something it also can help the opponent Yeah, and you can't bloom it out unless you want to do nothing the next turn, too. Pretty much. And here you have a card that you can discount up to two uh, mana with free admission, right? And you can draw it with, like, Backfire, and you start drawing more cards and more cards. And you have, like, very polarizing game where either the Steeler Warlock either dies early on or they just go off really early and there's nothing you can do to stop it. And then you just sit there like an idiot, Waiting for animations to resolve. That's why this deck should go. And that's why it is going. Like, it's absolutely going. Uh, which is kind of takes off, I think, from the excitement of the finding uh, regarding the D8 possibility. Because basically what I saw, I saw uh, a certain variant that doesn't run Dark Lair. Runs Minari Mosher. Oh, instead of instead of Dark Lair? A different three mana three Yeah, four? instead of Dark Lair, Yes, yes. And you run Dark Alley Pact. And Dark Alley Pack gives you a proactive play that also you can put Apotheosis on it with masher, right? And uh, that's really good against aggressive decks because they, they can't ignore like this big threat or they just get completely wrecked. And what I notice is that the matchups against aggressive decks are far better with that variant. Obviously, masher is really good with uh, uh, Matron as well. So, I was thinking, I was looking into the possibility of running just eight demons, just adding back Dark Lair. Since if you do drop Dark Lair, you lose a lot in the slower matchup, since you can't combo with Stealer of Souls in an infinite fashion, right? And just complete quests on turn five and high roll like that if you don't have the mana cheating of Dark Lair. So, if you run, so a lot of builds already run like seven demons. I've also started seeing more and more builds that run all the A-Demons. And it doesn't hurt free admission that much. And it's worth it overall. So why not just run all of them? Just run all the A-Demons. Have the Dark Alley Packed uh, Mosher combo. And still you have the Stealer of Souls Dark Lair. Now that does require you to cut some more removal. Which can be a little bit of a risk. But the upside of having the Mosher uh, play against aggressive decks... I think makes up far more percentages than, like, running unstable Shadow Blast, for example, which is not even a good card against Aggro decks anyway. It's not even a good card. And I think it, its it's um, quest progression value is a little bit overrated, too.
1: I mean, Steeler doesn't really care about quest progression because it just unhinges its jaw and eats the quest hole.
0: Yeah, it just complete so you don't need st- unstable shadow blast in order to progress the quest you just want to uh, you just want a good stealer turn so that was the reasoning i am cautiously confident that eight demons is the way to go but we'll probably never be able to find out right because this deck is getting nerfed on tuesday 100 percent. because alex said feels <laughs> like when he said nerfs uh uh, next week he he talked about feels focused nerfs and if there's anything that makes people feel bad it's stealer of souls and rightfully so so this card is going to get nuked which is going to make handlock better (laughs) and that's kind of a little bit of a problem because this deck is already really good which is why i'm wondering if this deck is also going to get nudged yes um one of the things that I was thinking about, one of the obvious things is just nerf Flesh Giant to 10, push it one mana more. Maybe that should have been the change from the beginning. Um, another change I can see them making is Soul rent to to 5 um, in order to, you know, help the aggressive decks uh, fight against it better. Though I would prefer... Um, I would personally prefer addressing... Uh, handlocks dominance in late game matchups or its power in late game matchups rather than uh, forcing the meta to go under it. Um, but, you know, if you can do both changes, then you can do that. But they, Alec spe- uh, specifically said two changes.
1: Yeah, we should we should talk about this tweet now because it it's all... The only changes that are coming are for Warlock. So Alec tweeted, uh, the balance schedule over the next month. So next Tuesday on the 31st, the day of the Mercenaries reveal stream, uh, there will be two Warlock changes, and he says in parentheses, upping mana feels focused. So, focused on, on gameplay experience. Uh, from the 31st to the 10th, evaluating the meta on Friday, September 10th, deciding if changes are needed, and then later that month, those changes will go live, including some BG's changes. Um, so, if you're talking about feels changes, Stealer is 100% one of the changes. I assume it's going to get orbit. I assume it's going to get, like, Really significantly changed. I yeah, would assume. Six
0: mana or something, getting the Ilganoth treatment, I think.
1: I think that's likely. Um, the second change, my assumption is it is something that is going to be relevant for wild that also may hit handlock in standard. So the cards that are in commonality there touch of the Nathrezim Raise Dead, Backfire, and Flesh Giant. Uh, if we're talking feels focused, I don't think that much feels all that different uh, from, like, all all that more significant than Cheap Flush Giants. The last card, though, that I think is a possibility, like you talked about, Zach, about the quest progression, you could move the mana on Big Tammy. You could make Big Tammy maybe cost seven instead of five. And that would be a very, very slight change to Handlock, but it would be not insignificant. It wouldn't matter. It wouldn't matter
0: for Handlock. That's the thing. It would matter for
1: wild. I, I guess. They play Big Tammy as... on five
0: an awful lot. Okay, I, I, I guess like I'm not as well versed in what's happening in a while. It's just a blur to me. Like I just see a huge blur of warlocks and warlock complaints and I don't really want to find out why. <laughs> it's kind of like
1: that. Uh, that's a reasonable take. And I think Flesh Giant still, if we're talking about feelings, it is giant threats that don't cost enough mana that kill me. And card draw, mana cheating engines that kill me. Those two seem like the thing. And Flesh Giant is a, is a very clear power outlier that makes sense. We were talking about it costing 10. Just move the mana up by one every two weeks until you get it right. I'm fine. Dang,
0: it's still the best warlock card in the format, by For sure. F- yeah. It's not even close. It's the best warlock card, even at nine mana. It's not even close. I can see backfire. I can see something like touch of the Nathrazine, but really it's it's mostly about flesh giants coming down way too early and asserting uh just dominance. Uh it just and it does feel bad too, right? Suddenly the like when the giants come down uh at zero mana on turn five, six, this happens way too often. It does feel bad. It it's very powerful and it also feels bad. So backfire would be a weird change to me. I don't think you can nerf this card without just nooking it from existence. And I don't know. And and you know me hat. I don't like nerfing card draw because nerfing card draw is how you kill classes. So I would rather just slow this deck down more. Yeah, backfire and four would completely delete the
1: class, the the deck, and possibly the class.
0: It would it would hurt the class a lot more it would hurt other potential strategies of the class um it would uh, it would it will also be a weird change cuz I, I don't know how you make i think flesh giants at 10 would still be very good uh right but backfire and i don't want to nerf i i don't want to nuke handlock like if if we're only merc- making warlock changes and we're not making shaman changes and we'll get to that very soon there's a big problem if we nerf Handlock too hard. So I would rather just, just nerf shine, put it at 10, and, and see what happens.
1: I think that makes sense to me. That it's if you're talking about feels, it's the, it's, the, it's the stuff that cheats mana. And Backfire doesn't cheat mana. Touch the Nathism doesn't cheat mana. And if I suggest Raise Dead to you again, I will get yelled at.
0: Can't do it. Absolutely hath You should not bring up Bray's Dead because it's not the problem.
1: I I I didn't bring it up, and you can't you can't make the card cost one mana anyways because then little Tam Tammy gets insane and then becomes you know
0: you, you like it breaks it. It's another first day side grade where people will meme about it being better or buffed despite increasing the mana cost, which is nonsense. But. Raised dead is not the problem. Also raise, nerfing raised dead. Also nerf Shadow Priest. I don't know if you want to nerf Shadow Priest right now. Um, I mean, I don't, but I'm biased because I like killing Warlocks. Yes, but but it's like Shadow Priest is a new deck. It's it's good, right? It's powerful. But if I had to make a change with Shadow Priest, you know what I would make? It's not the it's not raise dead that I would change. But anyway. Okay. And then Zoo is dead. Zoo is dead. Zoo, I mean, it's kind of whimpering and dying. So basically, yeah.
1: How many times is Zoo in a middle set gonna die to a dark Lair nerf?
0: Uh, I mean, it's a problem hat when you when you when you combine health usage with mana cheating, it can break the game. It's uh, it's one of the more offensive. It's probably the most offensive form of mana cheating we've seen. Um like a lot of the mana cheating in the format over the game's history have been about, you know, have been very synergy driven. And even when they were too powerful, it was kind of easy to address them. Because something like Mogu Flesh Shaper, okay, you push that more. Um, things like uh, Arcane Tyrant are build around, like uh, cards you, you kind of complement strategies and it, it creates it makes for deck building tension mana cheating is an important aspect of the game you can't just delete all mana cheating from the format then you just turn it into a, basically an arena format curse time but every Sucks. construct yeah every constructed deck tries to cheat mana as much as possible and put st- stuff on the board if it can or perform plays that should cost more Right, they're trying to basically circumvent the uh, mana limitations. That's what every good deck does. But when it comes to converting health into mana, when the health, when you have a high health pool, you don't need. It's very easy for warlock. uh, Like basically everything that they do, that class does, is involve self damage in some way. So you can get to a point where there's just infinite mana. An infinite mana is a problem. Yes, though. So, wait, hold on. Did you say?
1: Did you say that Darkler was some of the worst mana cheating ever? Like with Steeler, maybe. I'm gonna say Luna's Pocket Galaxy. That's what I'm gonna say.
0: Yeah, but but uh, kind of a similar thing. Luna's Pocket Galaxy was another card that was like unconditionally powerful. But even then, hat once galaxy was pushed to seven right when it was buffed to five it was too much but when it was pushed to seven then then okay right but the thing is with with health to mana cheating what happens is that if the cards cost health then even pushing their mana cost doesn't matter because they cost health they don't cost mana that's what happened with Darkler in steeler warlock now i will say it's not like and I said it last week. It's not like team 5 nerfed Darklair because of Steeler Warlock. They didn't see it herder. They didn't sit down and say herder, how do we go about nerfing this oppressive tier as deck? Let's nerf Darklair, oopsie. It didn't work. It didn't go like that. It's just that to nerf these decks, you really have to push the mana cost of the offender the one that enables the, the health to mana cheating, by a significant margin. And if you wanted to nerf Steeler Warlock, what you do is nerf Steeler. Now, there was no expectation that they would do it in the last patch because it made sense not to do it in the last patch since that patch was about power outliers. Here, we're starting to talk about our feelings, Hat. In next week's patch, we're going to start talking about our feelings. Mm. And Team 5 have been very quick, quicker than I thought in a, in addressing this feeling, right? Uh, and very good, very good, because I, I'd rather see these, this deck gone. I don't want to see this deck, and I definitely don't want to debate more about how powerful this deck in the hands of whatever, in the hands of Gabby compared to myself. I really don't care about that anymore. So just delete this deck, delete this discourse, and we can move on.
1: Yes. And if people want to say, hey, this was the most powerful thing ever, that's why they nerfed it, you know what? Fine. Whatever. Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm fine with that, too. As long as it's gone. But if it's gone, there will be a power vacuum, Zach, if both Warlock decks get touched, and it may be filled by our buddy Thrall.
0: Yeah, so Quash Shaman is very quietly, very quietly... ...somewhat of an oppressive force too... ...in in the format right now... ...because it's just so... ...dominant against pretty much... ...everything that develops a board... ...because of Perpetual Flame... ...that's the one card that... ...that just completely deletes archetypes... ...and... um, ...if Warlock wasn't around then this deck would be a real tear-ass, broken, oppressive, unstoppable force because pretty much nothing but Mage and Warlock beats it. I've seen all sorts of claims about how certain decks beat uh, Shaman, apparently. Mm. And every time I've looked into it, they do not. I've, fu- I've found that they do not. It's, uh, it's really hard to counter this deck. You have to really go out of your way to do something and usually when you go out of your way to counter a certain strategy that makes your own strategy very niche maybe you see something like that in the master's tour where there are conquest lineups and you can have a ban and there's more flexibility but when it comes to ladder countering shaman with anything that isn't warlock or mage is very very difficult so quest shaman very good deck one thing we found Uh, This week. Is that overdraft is good. Let me explain why overdraft is good. And why is it likely better than studies certainly on ladder. The main reason is. Lots of warlocks and mages. Against warlocks and mages. The way out of these bad matchups. Is to burst them down. Overdraft gives you an out. Gives you some reach in the late game. To potentially burst them down. You can combo some overload cards. And deal a lot of damage to Mage and Warlock and have enough to finish them off. Uh, That's a big upside for uh, this deck in its worst matchups, right? And the only counters that... Consistent counters that it faces on ladder. Uh, Obviously, in other portions of the game it's also fairly useful and unlocking your mana crystals you have a lot of overload cards it's nice to have a card that deals a reasonable amount of damage can use be used as removal while unlocking your mana crystals and if you don't have a use for it you just trade it away because it's tradable right you, you you're never stuck with it in hand you can always trade it and try and find another card to help your press a quest progression or whatever another card that we swapped Uh, Marspawn gets cut for Wandmaker. Marspawn is awkward. So the thing is, if you don't run Marspawn, you only run Slogger, then Dungeoneer becomes better because it always draws Slogger. And we know how busted Slogger is, especially in matchups where uh, your opponent is trying to burn you down. It's very powerful. Uh, Marspawn is kind of awkward and situational. And it's not even better than Wandmaker in terms of finding you uh, a way to progress your quest. Um since one maker is very often like all the one mana spells, almost all of them, are very useful for Quest Shaman, and they're very happy to find these spells. So the discover option is not even that more powerful. Also costs one mana less. That's good. Not conditional, that's also good. So one maker seems to be the way to go. Um it's serviceable on two, it's not amazing, but it's serviceable um in terms of you know other cards like entrap sorceress it's just too slow it also becomes useless post quest progression like post quest completion it just doesn't activate so that that's kind of sucks uh to have a really bad top deck um that's it i think pretty much really good deck really powerful if you're not seeing warlocks If you're not seeing Warlocks and Mages, this deck is unbeatable, pretty much, or at least even the favorite against almost everything else. And if you want to play Quest Shaman, I do recommend the overdrafts. They give you a plan to burst Mage and Warlocks down. Gives you some outplay potential. So, and I think that there is reasonable concern
1: about the Warlock nerfs uh, setting Quest Shaman up to be kind of the format Tyrant? Yes. And I'm wondering what the next steps are after that, like how would you fix Quest Shaman? Would you change the quest itself or is it a perpetual flame nerf or something like that?
0: There are two things. The first phase of the quest is a candidate to be nerfed just because it's so powerful with your removal toolkit and something like perpetual flame. Like if you use perpetual flame and you unlock phase one, the game is one, right? Yeah, But you could also argue that the problem is just Perpetual Flame, that this card just deletes archetypes. You look at every archetype that tries to develop a board, and they're pretty much deleted because of Perpetual Flame. Like, you run into Perpetual Flame, you lose. You play Rattle Demon Hunter, you lose to Perpetual Flame. You play Tontroid, you lose to Flame. Priest, Flame. Face Hunter, Flame. This card is the common denominator in literally every dominant matchup that Quest Shaman has against aggressive decks. It always comes down to Perpetual Flame. So, you know, and think about it like this. Is Perpetual Flame playable at 2 mana? Probably. It's probably still playable at 2 mana. That's how good this card is. So if I had to nerf Quest Shaman, I would probably look at either the first phase or Perpetual Flame. Uh... And, and nerfing Perpetual Flame would help me depolarize the deck a little bit. Not make it as dominant against uh, aggressive decks. or just It's not even aggressive decks. It's more, uh, decks that develop a board. You look at something like Baron's Miracle Rogue, right? Baron's Miracle Rogue is a deck that might have been playable this expansion on ladder. If not for Shaman. Because again, Perpetual Flame is really good against it. You play a contact turn, feel contact. They just Perpetual Flame everything away. And what do you do? Uh, So the card is really powerful. Those would be the things I would look at. But obviously, they're not doing a dispatch. Which is why I'm getting the vibe that they're not going to nerf Handlock too hard. Because if they do nerf Warlock too hard, then yeah, Crash Shaman could be out of control. And then did you make the meta better? Not necessarily. I think we can leave Handlock alone or nerf its most powerful card by a little bit nudge it more in order to help the meta, but Handlock in question, I and mean, I still expect to be boosted by the fact that Steeler Warlock is getting deleted. So there is that issue. I am a little concerned about that, but maybe if Steeler Warlock is deleted and aggression, there's less incentives to run aggressive decks like Shadow Priest and Face Hunter, which are really strong right now, partly because they they pressure Steeler Warlock. If there's less of an incentive to run aggression, then Quest Mage can come back. And Quest Mage is very good against both Handlock and Quest Shaman. So instead of Steeler Warlock countering those two decks, we might have Quest Mage countering those two decks. So there might be some self-correction available in the meta to keep these decks from spinning out of control.
1: Encanter's Flow is here to save the meta, Zach. It's the hero. Yep. The hero of this story.
0: What a world! Yeah. From the from the villain and may become a hero post patch. Watch out for quest mage.
1: Now, does Doomhammer Elemental Shaman does that beat Quest Shaman?
0: Probably not, right? Never, <laughs> no. No, uh, Elemental Shaman does not beat Quest Shaman. It gets pretty wrecked uh, by Quest Shaman, like yeah, whether you have Doomhammers or not. You know, hat, just just ask yourself, does this deck play minions? Does this deck try mm. to kill the opponent early? If the answer is yes, then you don't have a good matchup against Squash Shaman, pretty much. Um, Elemental Shaman, I recommend the whack build pretty much everywhere. Doomhammer has an issue. The Doomhammer variant is worse against hyper-aggressive decks. It's, it struggles, which means that if you're countering, if a lot of people are trying to counter Steeler Warlock, with Shadow Priest Face Hunter, that takes away from the power of Doomhammer. So even though Doomhammer is better against Steel Warlock than Whack um, Elemental Shaman, uh, that that kind of meta effect is is pushing it away, and it's it's really losing steam. Might change after patch, I don't know, but for now, Whack Elemental is the choice.
1: And, yeah, the the play rate of Elemental Shaman, at least at at higher legend, is definitely pretty low. People aren't super interested in it, but it still seems
0: like a reasonable choice. Yeah, I mean, it's always been this way. It's kind of always been this way. But I yep. think the only time where it wasn't this way is there was a period during uh, barons where it was kind of the thing that stopped Priest, right? And then top legend players really embrace that deck because of its ability to beat priest. But other than back period, up until the priest nerf, um players at high levels tend to move um, shy away from it. Also it makes sense why I wouldn't see play at top legend, because if people are testing master tour lineups, why would they touch the stack, right? Cause you yeah. always bring Quest Shaman like into a lineup it, I I don't think I don't expect to see a lot of elemental shamans in, in the Master Steward this weekend.
1: Nope. And the deck is it has kind of the pure Paladin problem where it is like sequence heavy with a lot of cards that, that turn yellow. Um, high level players don't like that kind of scripted gameplay.
0: Also, the meta is fairly polarizing and it's actually one of the decks that's not that polarizing. So, you're kind of looking for counters in in tournament lineups. You're kind of looking for ducks that really destroy something that you're looking to target in, in this format. And and um, elemental shaman kind of is outclassed by things that counter things harder, right? Um, so there's no great reason to bring it.
1: Yeah, it's not the best at anything, and and this is a very difficult master tour to test for. And I don't think that people are going to try to test Elemental Shaman to see, okay, well, am I fine with being okay against most things and lose to Quest Shaman? Because you can't ban Quest Shaman and leave up Warlock. That's not
0: going to fly. Yeah, that's the major issue. That's mostly why you're not going to see much of it. Yep. What
1: I do think that we could see some, though, I do think that we could see some Shadow Priest. And we have found very interesting development in, uh, in Shadow Priest this week.
0: Yeah, so the cute build that I mentioned uh, in the last podcast is very, very good, uh, very powerful. Uh, There is a popular question. Why are we running two Deceptors when the only spells we run is Raise Dead, right? Why would we run two Deceptors? I assume it's because Raise Dead is ridiculous in this deck. That's kind of the point, guys. Like, we don't care. The game, Shadow Priest games... Never go longer than... Like, it either... It's decided by your first five turns, at most. The second Deceptor doesn't even matter. The only thing that matters is that you're drawing Ray's Dead. And if you don't... And in a deck that runs Voracious Reader, everything is supposed to be front-loaded. You're just vomiting stuff to the board. So... Like, looking at the late game and thinking, Oh... Is my second Deceptor going to whiff? It doesn't matter. doesn't matter. The only thing that matters is draw and raise dead. If you can draw raise dead, you fuel your pressure more, you can continue on for more additional turns of damage and pressure, and that determines whether you win or not. I can see Deceptor going to 1. There is a case for it. I'm not going to say it's crazy or worse, but it's mostly about draw and raise dead. That's the only thing that matters. These games of shadow priest are short which means that these kind of synergies or uh worrying about things whiffing like the second copy of something whiffing does not matter because the second copy is probably never going to be relevant and if it is then you just spam you just play a two mana, two or three so what just empty your hand get to voracious reader reload move on the other thing about uh this deck obviously is the gambling build Cute Shadow Priest, Tiny Fing, and Desk Him are genuinely powerful in this deck. They're insane with Gandling, but they also have other uses. They make Traveling Merchant better. They make Wriggling Horror better. They make Voracious Reader better. They do have applications outside of Gandling, which makes them reasonable enough in the deck without relying on you drawing the one of Legendary. So, this deck is very good. It gets on the board faster. Um,. So, you know, an aggressive deck that's reliant on board damage, especially through a card like Attendant, which requires you to have a wide board, there's a big incentive to uh, to do that rather than run slow burn cards like Shadowed Spirit and Night Vendor. Those are starting to get cut. Even Void Chart is gone. You're just looking to vomit cards to the board, take over. Put pressure through a tendon, That's how you win.
1: And also, when your opponent is about to recover, slam Elucia. Because this is the best has ever been, and she's been good before.
0: Elucia is insane in the stack. Like, it's always Unbelievable. been a card. Con- it's, Elucia has always been a controversial card, and everybody knows how, much, how I feel about Elucia. But I will say that in Control Priest, she was matchup dependent, there were matchups where she sucked. There were many matchups on ladder where she wasn't worth it. And there were multiple times, many times where we didn't even recommend it to run a Lucia for most ladder players. Unless you were like looking to counter like Life Seal Demon Hunter and Miracle Rogue, right? Those were the matchups where Lucia was dominant in. And in other matchups, she was either situational or just bad. But in this deck, she's never bad <laughs> in any matchup. Any matchup where you can just have a board, play your stuff, play Lucia, and just lock your opponent from doing anything because your hand is absolutely useless for them to defend themselves. Basically gives you an extra turn, a time warp, and seals games. This might be actually the most powerful card in the deck. More powerful than Attendant. Which tells you all you need to know because we all know how nuts Attendant is, and since Alusia But the good news is, guys, for those who who are on the cult of delete Alusia with me, on my side, we we've been it's been rough for us these uh, this few, these last few months. However, now there are actually strong metrics that that Elusia has busted. It's broken. While before she was a situational card, and in terms of Team Five policy of they they're very unlikely to nerf these kind of cards, but if a card is nuts or the best card in the deck and performs spectacularly well and carries an archetype that is tier one currently, there's a far higher likelihood of the card eventually being nerfed and Boy, oh boy, do I wait the day for when the witch is dead? I wait this day I've been waiting hat it might happen
1: it might mu- if this reminds me of Rise of Shadow Cyclone Mage, when we were used to Frost Nova being used with Doomsayer, being used to slow the game down, and all of a sudden, it was being used with three zero mana eight eights per turn, and then they would Frost Nova you and then kill you. It's so much better when it's proactive, and Elucid when it's proactive, the first game that I played with the Vicious Syndicate list, I played against a Fel DH. They healed for 29 total damage, and I killed them, because going into turn into turn eight, I Elucid as my last play for the turn, and I saw their Jace, and I just held it and then killed them when I got my turn back because they top deck a Murloc Tinyfin. It was disgusting.
0: Yeah, and that matchup is really tough, right? But Lucia can find a way. Um, yeah, if you if you ever lose to Lucia in this deck, like when <laughs> against this deck, then yeah, it's gonna feel even more horrible than. Whatever she's done in Control Priest or in Barons, which was obnoxious as, enough by itself. Uh, but yeah, deck is powerful. Lucia is powerful. Let's move on. Yep. Hunter.
1: So, Face Hunter. Rumors of its death have been greatly exaggerated, though, Cold Card is a way worse card.
0: Yeah, Cold Card is actually not worth it anymore. Turns out three mana, too slow for Face Hunter. It just wants to blow a face and wants to do it early. Um, the do- the card has fallen off, though it's it's playable. Let's say this: pack Packrunner would definitely be playable in a slower hunter deck that like played beasts and dire frenzy and stuff like that. If that ever shows up, ever someday, yes, then I can see Kolkar Packrunner being pretty good. If that ever shows up, then I'm just looking
1: forward to when I wake up from the dream.
0: Yeah, like. You're going to hear all sorts of oinks, oinks oinks coming from your window hat. But Oh, from the pigs flying. I get it. I get it. That was pretty good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but in Face in Hunter, it's just not worth it. I've seen all sorts of things. I'm not writing them off. But for now, the low-hanging fruit that seems to be very effective is called Neophyte. Again, it's not a card that you just, oh, I'm going to play this on two and they're going to get wrecked. If you have it and you can play it on two, then sure, play it on two. But it's a really good complementary card uh, alongside your other threats to just press the initiative and pressure decks like Warlock, like Mage, like Shaman too, all sorts of things. It's very effective against a lot of different opponents, which is why it goes in. Uh, but Face Under is really good. Yeah, good good matchups against Warlock. Warlock is very popular. It's very bad against shaman, but the the popularity of Warlock makes up for it. It's just a strong deck and it hasn't lost a step and anyone who thought that we shouldn't be nerfing Face Hunter should look at its performance now and see that yeah, the nerf to Face Hunter was fully justified and because the deck is still one of the best decks in the format.
1: So and I think my conspiracy theory is that the deck is doing well because finally people no longer have an excuse to cut Felmaw.
0: Hmm, that's an interesting take, Hat, but no, it's not because of that. No, I know it's yeah. not. Felmaw is still very good.
1: It is still very good, and people had this obsession with cutting it for the past two metas, and I don't know why.
0: It's kind of boring, Hat. Yeah, to be honest, it's kind of boring. It's a boring card.
1: It's a boring deck. D- is- we're not playing this deck because it's interesting. We're playing this deck because people die.
0: That is purely subjective. There are a lot of people who have
1: fun and like Face Hunter. I'm not judging Face Hunter. I like Face Hunter. You play less Face Hunter than I do. Yeah, that is true. I'll never touch this deck ever, even if it has I'm a 60% certain that I like this deck way more than you do. And I am not bored by Thelma. I crafted two golden ones because the golden Dorman animation is gorgeous. And then also, it is a two mana Pyroblast.
0: It's just been a while. I'd like to play other Hunter decks. Speaking sure. of other Hunter decks. We're hopeful there's about this actually one. actually one that might pop. Yes, we are. Because I will say this. If Warlock is touched, is nerfed again, and Quest Shaman picks up more play, maybe Quest Hunter becomes the answer. It's also good against Mage. Because Quest Hunter is one of the few decks in the format that seems to have a good matchup against Quest Shaman it's good against question because you can burn them down before they're able to stabilize and since you don't run a lot of minions in general they're often they don't really have good targets for your for their sloggers to just gain life back so they have to discover awkward things and you kind of just burn them down it's kind of similar to quest mage and the reason why quest mage is very good uh against question it's just more toned down right it's not as extreme but there is an edge there And I can see this deck becoming viable. Like early on in the expansion, I looked at Quest Hunter and said, oh, this doesn't have a chance, right? And now I'm seeing it and oh, this looks a lot better. So balance changes do push some things uh, in a certain direction and help decks find more viability. It's getting there. It's still not quite there, but I can definitely see Quest Hunter becoming a more serious competitor in the future. It starts to flesh out. Um this week's step devouring swarm uh scorpid is the way you, you wanna go because of giants and other stuff. It's very good removal uh it's pretty good with the rest of your generators as well It can helps you reload so I highly recommend that combo far better than uh sorceress. I was debating I was deliberating pretty hard between sorceress and Scorpid, and the moment I saw how good Scorpid is with Swarm, won the argument without question. So the bill we have in the report, I'm confident that for this meta, it's the perfect 30. The perfect 30 hat. Mm. But is it a perfect 30 against the current meta? Not so much, right? It's not a perfect deck for the meta. But in the future, I can see it. So we might have another deck, another Hunter deck, competitive one, beyond Face Hunter, I would say there's a good chance it's happening even this expansion. Maybe after the mini set. Maybe after another balance patch. Maybe after the mini set. What do the
1: kids say these days? Copium? Is that the thing? Is that the the emote now?
0: I don't know if this is Copium hat. I think there's a good chance. It's close. I think it's getting there and it's close. Yes. I would very much like to
1: play this deck because it's fun and it's enjoyable and it's a different way to play Hunter and it feels like a more fair Raza priest, and I'm all about it. All right, so now we get to the fun class deck. You had to redo the archetyping for Demon Hunter because it was such a mess.
0: Yeah, the the entire class changed. I mean, it's I mean it's obvious why. Right, we pretty much deleted a deck in Life Seal Demon Hunter. It was deleted. Um, it might come back. I'm still not sure. <laughs> It doesn't see enough play for me to, to say that it's dead. It's just people are not playing it. so Or not playing it enough for me to tell. But for now, Life Lifesteal Demon Hunter is gone. And in its place, from its ashes, two decks emerged. And they're very interesting uh, to look at. You've got the Fell Demon Hunter, which is a control deck. Uh, it's
1: Lifesteal Demon it, Hunter, no. but Zach, in a control it's form. it's a resource-focused deck. Yes, but I want to trigger people. Okay, as we we already have plenty of that in this show so far.
0: My my goal, my goal, my initiative right now is not to educate people. If you want to be you or your uh, tempo, my initiative, yeah, my initiative. No, tempo is just going to trigger myself. I'm Mm. just going to trigger myself. I'm not going to say that. But yeah, if you want to learn podcast 45 episode 45, but right now I'm triggering people handlock quest shaman and fell demon hunter are all control decks and there are all three of the best decks in the format haha blah 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 okay like this, this is something that's important to understand uh fell demon hunter is very much a deck that relies on removal life gain has insane life gain, defensive tools, and it's got two late game bombs. Yes, it can go off on Ilganoth. No, it does not happen often. Uh um, in, in it's not your main goal or your primary goal. It's in a, it's one of your win conditions in the deck. The other one is Jace. And this deck is pretty much draw your cards, defend yourself, remove remove heal and then Pop down the late game bomb and finish the game. Um, so this deck looks very successful. At high levels of play, what this deck is curated. At lower ranks, this archetype is still running like pre-patch build, early expansion build. So its performance is going to be really bad. So the stats don't really mean much for this report when it comes to Fel DH Because its matchup spread is going to be a lot more clear after next week's balance patch and the report in two weeks, we'll exactly know how good Fell Demon Hunter is against multiple things in a more accurate fashion. In general, it's incredible against aggressive decks. You have so much life gain. So things like Shadow Priest and Face Hunter, it's, it's laughable matchups, honestly. Just cue this deck into a Hunter or Priest. You'll understand immediately why this, these matchups are laughable. However, this deck does have an issue in the late game. Right the Elganath combo is not super reliable you uh, there's a lot of effort in in executing and setting that up more so than before, and then Jace is not really a guaranteed finisher, though it can deal quite a bit of damage with Furies and chaos strikes and such. People are running metamorphosis like the card is not good it's not a good card, however, it's kind of almost essential. I want to see more data on Metamorphosis. It could be a solution to the late-game damage problem that the deck currently faces uh, alongside Jace, right? Because Jace gives you another one, uh, which can be very powerful. But the card is very slow and awkward. Uh, it's good off of Felgorger. If you draw it off of Felgorger, it makes it far less punishing to play. But it's it's still a little bit of a questionable card, which is why it's not primarily in the list. That we have in the report, it's an option that you can flex in. If you see a lot of warlocks, then there's definitely um justification uh to run it, which is why people have been trying to run it. I'm wondering if there's more there there are more solutions um where you can boost this game this decks late game. I uh, beam looks like a card that might be the first one to be cut eventually from this deck if people find something better, because it's kind of redundant with Chaos Leech, and you already have so much life gain that you're you're still gonna stop on like Hunters and Priests, uh, even if you cut them. But we'll see. So this deck, pretty good, solid. Expect to see a lot of it this Master Store because of how good it is against Face Hunter and Shadow Priest. It has a pretty reasonable matchups like close matchup against Mage. It's uh it's decent against Steeler Warlock, it's it's okay against Quest Shaman, it's not too bad. Um, current stats do not suggest that, suggests that it kind of struggles against shaman, but I do think that the more curated lists um, are close, get close to the in the shaman matchup, closer to 50-50, which is why I would expect it to be a, a, a pretty common deck because any deck that where you can just ban warlock, like handlock is a struggle for this deck. But if you ban Warlock and you're okay against Shaman and you're very good against Aggro decks, that also that already makes it a very enticing option for Conquest lineups. And there's such a difficulty in finding good decks for certain lineups already, pretty much all of them, <laughs> this weekend, that if there's a deck that fits, it's going to be played. But the other deck that I think you're going to be more interested in yes. is Glide, Quest, Demon Hunter, this deck is really fun. Uh, like I, I have to admit, it's it's really fun. Uh, but let's talk about whether it's good or not. I can answer that question already. It is not,
1: but it's really entertaining.
0: Hat? Wait a oh, minute. Oh. Wait a minute. I know what I, I know what I wrote in the po- in the report. I know what I wrote in the report. Um, but there's there's more to it. There's a little bit more layers to it. So when it comes to builds, uh. Fire Watch Post is not common, but it looks insane. It looks like a card you you want to put in your in your deck. The problem is that if you run Fire Watch Post, you kind of have to cut something. You have to decide between Fury and Chaos Strike. This is something that I honestly don't know right now. It's too early, and it's so close between them that I don't know what's correct. In two weeks, I'll, I'll probably know the answer uh, with more data. But the build in a report does a lot of work and. It does a lot of work in certain matchups. Now, what Quest Demon Hunter seems to be is sort of like a Poison Rogue, a pseudo Poison Rogue. I want to call it a worse Poison Rogue, but it depends on how you look at it. It's worse at countering Warlock. The Warlock matchups are not nowhere near as easy as Poison Rogue. It's worse against, like, Mage. It still beats Mage, but it's worse. It's less of a hard counter to certain strategies, and it's far worse against Shaman. Compared to Poison Rogue. Poison Rogue could go 50-50. Quest Demon Hunter. I'm, I'm skeptical. I've seen some people say that this matchup is fine. But I'm not seeing it from the data just yet. I'm still seeing this deck struggle against Shaman. But. This deck is better. Is really good against certain things. That I expect to see in the Master Store. Like things like Celestial Druid. It's also good against Poison Rogue. In the direct matchup. So like. If I have to give you guys a picture of what the most common lineups are going to be this Master's Tour in the weekend, I would expect maybe the most common one will be Handlock, Quest Shaman, Fell Demon Hunter, and a fourth. That will be a common lineup. Then you'll see some aggressive lineups with Shadow Priest, Face Hunter. And then there are the counter lineups to the first lineup, to the Handlock Shaman lineup lineup. Uh, a counter to the best decks right to what are likely to be the most well-rounded decks so you're looking at things like maybe you start running like mage and celestial druid and poison rogue in order to counter the warlocks so those anti-standard lineups and then what quest demon hunter does it's really good against those decks it's really good against the Celestial Droid, the Poison Rogue, and the Quest Mage. So I can see a fourth lineup or like a fourth, like a different version of an anti-standard lineup where you might shove in a quest demon hunter. So I expect to see this deck pop up this weekend because of that weird meta that is shaping in the tournament scene. Also, more people are testing it at Top Legend. Its win rate is getting better, it's improving. It's getting closer to that 50% mark. Um, so we'll see where it ends up. But the, the weakness remains, right? You kind of... It's better against aggressive decks than Poison Rogue because you have the glide into Brute play. And brute are very Brutes are very good. If you can get early Brutes off, uh, then you can beat aggressive decks. But usually you will lose to aggressive decks and usually you will lose to decks that produce any sort of board pressure similarly to poison rogue but to a less less of an extreme right because you do have some strong plays against them thanks to brutes so this deck is very matchup dependent well it's also inconsistent though it's also very draw dependent it is but if you're playing a top legend right now and you're likely going to run into a lot of people testing the anti standard lineup So you're going to see a lot of Celestial Druid and Poison
1: Rogues. Oh, it's been so much fun, Zach. I cannot tell you how much fun it's been running into people
0: testing garbage for the MT and just wrecking them with the glide. Yeah, this deck is very good against those types of decks. And since right now we're in a climate of Master 2 testing, where Celestial Druid is a serious consideration because of its very specific matchups that that... Will likely be popular uh, this weekend. Then things like Quest Demon Hunter becomes the answer to those things. So it's kind of a weird situation. I don't know how that's going to last. Like after the Masters Tour, top legend meta probably are, is going to be less fixated on testing lineups, right? And people will be more incentivized to just got, run the good all around decks. Um, so I'm not sure where it where its fate is going to end up uh, landing. Uh, If this deck was just a little bit better against aggressive decks, then I would totally get behind it. Right now, it's more of a meta-dependent call. Yeah. And this
1: is one of the few decks I've ever played where, like, if you could go up to 40 cards in the deck, you would absolutely do it. Because, like, if we could find room for the Furies and the Chaos Strikes for more damage, and then the fell Barrages and Immolation ores, and maybe even some kind of spell damage package to deal with wide boards... It'd be really great, and I do think the Shadow Priest matchup, which was already bad, has gotten worse because Traveling Merchant kind of messes up your Brutes. Like, you can play a Brute, but if they've got a 7-8 Traveling Merchant, they don't care. Um, So, it's... it's Brute spam on turn 3 or 4 will still get you there most of the time, but it's pretty hard to set up, and sometimes even if you, if you glide and, and you have to end up giving a Shadow Priest 3 more cards to get your Brutes down, then you can still lose. But it is one of the most fun decks I've ever played. Yeah, I have found myself in a pocket where... I've actually done pretty well on the server that is your nemesis, Zach, on, on NA. Um, I'm in the top 200 range, and if I if I stop running into Taunt Druids, if I stop running into into Coned in our Discord, who is ranked 20 right now with Taunt Druid, uh, then I think that I have a decent chance of those double digits.
0: Yeah, because people are playing like you're queuing into Celestial Druids. Oh, it's so exciting.
1: Raids. I'm going to try and get in as many games as I can, and maybe even during Master's Tour weekend, if there's like a feature match where people are playing Celestial Druid, I'm like, I'm going to queue right then because I want people who net deck what they see on TV to face
0: me. Yeah. But in general, for most of the latter, if you guys see any number of face hunters, shadow priests, even paladins...
1: Oh, a secret paladins, not great. Or Tantra. Tantra a nightmare. That's a yeah. terrible any sort of
0: Any sort of aggression. If you're seeing a lot of decks that play minions on the board, you don't want to play quest demon hunter. But, but this deck is exciting and, and cool.
1: And it's fun to play, but I will say it's somewhat difficult to play. It might even
0: have Would, a... you, would you say it has a high skill cap? Huh? I didn't high say it because gap? I knew you would. Wait, first of all, Blize, uh had a good record with it at number one legend, which means this deck is broken. It, Impressive. It, and it must be,
1: be the deck carrying the player who went rank one legend with Cowardly Grunt in this deck. I'm sure it
0: was the deck's act. I'm sure that's what it was. It has to be the deck. This is the best There's I can form There's no format, other logical 100%. explanation. Blyze is definitely not trying to bait his opponents in the Master Store into picking decks he thinks he's comfortable facing. He's definitely not doing that, guys. He's not baiting. This deck is the nuts, and you're going to see Blyze bring Quest Demon Hunter. Well, yeah. I, I, Though I will I will admit, I will say, that Quest Demon Hunter is a deck that I can see bringing into this Master Store and doing well. Don't, don't... It's not like I'm not mocking this deck whatsoever. I think this deck in this weekend could be good. Yeah. But on ladder, no. No, guys, don't. If you see any minions, if they play minions, it's bad. The vast majority of players who net deck this
1: deck will end up dying to Void Touch Attendance and, uh, and Trampling Rhinos, and those are not situations you want to be in. And also, they might die to, uh, to cheap Druid minions. So let's get into Druid, because we called Taunt Druid one of the meta breakers last week. Do you think that has come true?
0: I mean, it has it's one of the best performing decks in the format. I don't know how... How else would you measure it, Hat?
1: Yeah. it. I think it's meta breaking. I have lost to Peasant so many times this week.
0: Peasant is actually good. So here's the thing. Initially, I did not have Peasant in the report list, but then data started to come in people started playing peasants because of that dude who posted Cloned, the, uh, yeah yeah he the, posted his guy yeah, on clone. reddit people
1: started net decking it and that deck that list was very strong yeah and peasant
0: is good like it's actually a good card in this deck um you know there's a common question uh about annoyatrons and i can see annoyatrons being better than something like toad of the wilds i just didn't have enough data uh, you guys need to remember this is a, an emerging archetype. It's hard, It was hard for me to compare Anoyatron to other two drops. But I personally like Anoyatron over Toad, for example. Uh, but, I mean, we'll see. Uh, but what I do know is that the list in the report is very, very good and close to being the perfect 30 at the, at the very least. You don't want Cornelius Rome. That card is bait. It's very common and it's not good. Whenever I... It's just not good a card. It's too late. Um, you don't care about it. It doesn't make an impact. Uh, but this deck, yeah, it's very dominant. Like, basically, this deck is good against anything that doesn't have strong AoE effects. Um, which makes it sound kind of bad, right? Because uh, Shaman is an uh, impossible matchup, and and Warlocks with rand is tough, right? And even Mage... They have their out with fire sale and they have a lot of early game removal to kill your uh, battle guard and stuff, but this deck is so dominant at seizing the board. Like it just destroys other aggressive decks. It destroys, you know, things that don't have AoE, like Quest Demon Hunter. Or Celestial Druid. Or Celestial Druid, yeah. Pretty much um it, it, it dominates those matchups pretty convincingly. Orcovaloon is a hell of a card. Grey Bow started seeing play now, and it's clearly very good, and it should be in the deck. Uh, unfortunately, for those who are want to save their dust or whatever, yeah. Grey Bow is good. Um, but yeah, this deck is good, strong. We'll see what happens after the patch. Warlock gets a nudge. Unfortunately, that probably brings Quest Shaman up. That's even a worse matchup. But I think this deck... like As long as... Uh, aggression is strong then this deck will remain strong if aggression comes down in power then this deck might also fall in power but it, it's a good deck it's a viable competitive strong deck that you can definitely have success with when it comes to other druid decks anacondra anacondra is pretty good on ladder two it's kind of a less polarizing uh, celestial druid right celestial druid you're gonna see more of it i think in a master store because it because in the master store you want things to hard counter certain things like you want to hard counter the poison Road, the the quest mages, uh you want to make Steeler warlocks really miserable, so you go celestial druid make it tougher th- for them. But if you want to be hedge a little bit for the aggressive matchups, then anaconda can definitely work. It's still not good against shadow priest and face hunter, but the, these matchups are more winnable, especially if you run two bastion shell. Uh, this is a thing that I've noticed in the ladder. People are deciding between celestial alignment as a tech card against the slower decks and Bastion shell, which is a more effective against aggressive decks, right? So you mostly see in lists either they run the alignment or they run the Bastion shell. But there's actually a way to fit both. I looked into it and I found out that if you run two celestial alignment, it makes sense that what card drops off in power? Innervate. Because what happens to Innervate uh, after Celestial Alignment comes down? It becomes pretty much useless. So you can cut this, the number of Innervates to one, run two Best in Shell, run two Celestial Alignment, so you'd have the two important cards for the different matchups on ladder, and you kind of ha- have your cake and eat it too. So try it out, cut one Innervate, and um, I think i have it right here i think that's the 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 good move to make this deck not have to decide between those matchups and could push it to be a little bit better obviously celestial druid anaconda druid win rate hovers around 50 percent celestial druid is far worse because um if there's any sort of aggression (laughs) then it just rolls over and dies Uh, it's a very situational deck
1: it's an LHS deck, right? We saw it doing well in LHS and Grandmasters last week. It's a
0: counter deck. I think it's it can also be a conquest deck. Hat. You're gonna see yeah. it this weekend. I'm pretty sure it's gonna be fairly popular. It just um, it's just very situational, right? It depends on you queuing into a few matchups. If you can queue into specific matchups, which kind of the tournament scene allows you to do, then you can do really good work. And on letter, it's trash. It's mostly garbage, and oh, that's okay. It's so bad.
1: Zach, Celestial Druid has brought us my favorite VS Gold moment ever. So I understand that this is a low sample size. I don't care. I'm here for the content. If you filter the VS Gold app currently by last three days in Legend, the matchup for Celestial Druid against Taunt Druid is the lowest number I've ever seen. Celestial Druid versus Taunt Druid in the last three days in Legend wins 8.3% of its games. 8.3, Zach.
0: Hmm. Let me look. Actually, that is true. Yeah, it's a little, it's kind of a, low, a little bit of a low sample size, but yeah. It's also
1: hilarious, which is why I'm sharing it. Imagine playing the Tantra and queuing into a 91.7% matchup. The true matchup,
0: it's probably like 80-20. Oh, yeah. A paltry 80-20. Yeah, it's just 80-20. No. <laughs> it's just 80-20. But yeah, um, don't queue this deck if you run into any decks that play minions.
1: Also, if you are against Quest Demon Hunter and they get Big Curtress in hand, just concede instead of playing your Celestial. It's not going to go well for you.
0: Yeah, that kind of that's kind of what I meant when I thought that Quest, would, uh, Quest Demon Hunter might become a legitimate uh, choice in this Master Tour, partly because it's a hard counter. It's a pretty hard counter to Celestial droid. But in any case, um, yeah, that's pretty much it. Quest droid, not really. Not really. No, that's not a thing. All right. It has its moment on the first day of the expansion, and that is it. The first three days. All right. So, Rogue. The Rogue deck that we're going to talk about
1: first is, for better or worse, not Quest Rogue. It, poison Rogue is a very real part of this meta.
0: It is, uh, but again, like there will be moments where Poison Rogue seems insane and there will be moments where Poison Rogue will seem pathetic and sometimes those moments will be on the same day. Um, It's just super polarizing. I will say that one thing about this meta that comes, you know, it's because of the extra, when you add lethality to the format, there's a risk that it would happen, that the meta will become more polarizing and decks uh, are more likely to hard counter each other poison rogue is another one of those things it's always been polarizing right but it just adds up uh since there are other polarizing decks then po- there will be moments where poison rogue becomes really good um but it's kind of falling off a little bit Were you, like last week in the podcast that we had early on it looked insane it looked like one of the best decks in the format it did because Steeler Warlock was 20% of the top legend meta, but guess now, guess what? Now it's 10% of the top legend meta. So that matters a lot. When a deck has 80-20 matchups on the regular, whenever a deck falls off this way, it's going to have a huge impact on its overall win rate. So Poison Rogue kind of falling off now, uh, falling under 50% win rate, maybe next week. Suddenly it's no longer the case, but for now it, it's a very inconsistent deck, right? And you're going to see it in Master Stores as well. Any, any, like, there's a huge incentive to bring Poison Rogue if you plan on leaving up Warlock. I'm not sure how many people are going to do that, but if you're doing that, you're probably going to leave up Warlock and bring Poison Rogue.
1: Yeah. It, you don't want to deal with uh, with precon Feral Spirits, like you can't really beat that.
0: I mean, you beat that, you can, like, the matchup is close against Shaman. This is why Poison Rogue can be a viable strategy to bring in if you want to leave up Shaman and and Warlock and try to counter them with, like, the ultra-anti-control decks, right? Uh, So Poison Rogue is a viable option. Like, you have Extortion. Extortion is a good answer to, like, Feral Spirit. You can get them out of the way, and it's a winnable matchup. That's part of the reason why Poison Rogue is valued, if it lost to Shaman, it wouldn't be as valued.
1: Yeah. But, it, I mean, it's not a hard counter. It's just like you can win. It's
0: 50-50, Hat. Yeah. It's not, it's not Shaman favored. It's a 50-50 matchup. Which is why Poison Rogue is good if you want to leave up both Shaman and Warlock. Because against Warlock, it, it, it does work. If you are looking for a
1: deck to add to your from-hand kill lineup, this belongs there.
0: Yeah, pr- pretty much. And the funny thing is that there there are decks that are brewing that people are brewing in order to answer the poison rogues, Ugh. like like quest demon hunter and celestial Druid is kind of a response to that. Yeah, so it's 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 all very weird. We'll see what happens this weekend. This is still a better from hand kill deck than
1: garrote miracle rogue, um, with the, with the lone sharks and all that. That deck sucks. Um, Though I have heard rumblings of Baron's Miracle Rogue kind of coming back, whether
0: you include Garotes or not. I'm seeing the rumblings. I'm hearing the rumblings, but I'm not seeing in the data that this is a sure winner. Like, I'm not seeing it. Um, Maybe it's not refined. Maybe there's not enough of a sample on it, but I'm not super optimistic about field contact builds because field contact builds lose to Perpetual Flame. Yeah. And yeah. That's that's kind of the issue I'm seeing with, with field contact builds. People are trying to make this deck better against Shaman. That's the main obstacle. I think you can make the deck better against Warlock, but I'm not sure about Shaman. But we'll see. Kind of hard to deal with both there problems. There are rumblings. And then, there are rumblings. And I think actually
1: Quest Rogue is okay against Shaman because of how good the assassins are against their their threats in general but overall quest rogue does not seem like the way to go right now. Uh
0: I will say that it's potentially a way to go if people move over to the stealth build. I think the stealth build has a lot more value right now compared to the the full SI build with infiltrators. That build got butchered by the battlemaster nerf. Like it really needed battlemaster in order to function and now you're incentivized to run a lower curve, a faster deck. Um Yes, you are fine against Shaman. This deck is okay against Shaman. doesn't lose. It's a close matchup. Maybe you even have the slightest of edges against them. But obviously, if you don't run Battlemasters now, then your late game is worse. Uh, so you're kind of forced to pressure the Warlock earlier in order to win games. But it is feasible. The faster build also helps you against like Face Hunter, Shadow Priest. Uh, uh you remember early on in the expansion shadow priest wasn't really around right and yeah. now it's everywhere <laughs> so that makes a big difference for when you when you take into consideration cards like spy mistress like you play like let's say you play against a shadow priest and you go first you can play spy mistress on one hold the quest just play the spy mistress make sure to contest their attendant just block the attendant and again keep that spy mistress hanging you can do that That is effective. It's also effective against face hunters, so there is value in some of the in the stealth package when it comes to faster matchups. Uh, But uh, but yeah, I think I think this deck is looks okay, looks pretty good actually. If you go the stealth build right now, the thing is most people are going for the are still running the pre patch build with battle masters, and that's a big no no. And I think that's kind of a symptom of... There's an issue when... So you have a deck that doesn't really carry a lot of value in tournaments before a Master's Tour. Uh, you have a Master's Tour. Quest Rogue doesn't really belong. There's, it's difficult to fit it into any sort of lineup. So top-level players are just not seeing any value in trying to refine it and build it and you know post lists on Twitter and propagate it. So what ends up happening is the population, the player base, keeps running older builds, and if those builds are outdated, it's going to hurt the win rate of the archetype, and it, then it it's kind of a it's kind of a self-fulfilling prophecy where people decide it's bad, and then it start it looks bad because of it. So that's the situation I see with Questwork. I think Questwork is fine if you optimize it. Okay. I think it's it can even be it can be two tier two, it can be tier two duck in this meta if you go stealth build. It's just that nobody's really tweeting about it or talking about it so that information is not really propagating because pretty much the only person who's going to say it is me. Right? And it's only going to be out in the report.
1: And the concern about Questro from even when we saw the design was that it's kind of a linear strategy. And again, these are the sort of things that tend to fall off after the first couple weeks of the expansion because it is fairly straightforward. Uh, But I do like the look of the build and the report with the Spy Mistress and the Greyheart Sage. It's it looks a, a lot lower to the ground, a lot the leaner. Deck good, yeah.
0: The deck is good, Han. The deck is good, it's very playable and very competitive. Yeah. I, I'm seeing it right now. It's not, that build is not falling off. That build looks fine. It's just that the older build with the Battlemasters is the one that's not working. And that's mostly what you see in the data. When you see the Quest Rogue sitting at tier three, very sad, that is the Infiltrator build mostly. Battlemaster, the, the one that got nerfed and got severely hit by the balance changes. The stealth build actually functions pretty well. Makes sense. Um, yeah, that's 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 it for rogue. I think that the class is okay. It seems worse than it actually is, but I think quest rogue uh, should should be a part of the meta. What do you think about mage? Should mage be a part of the meta? I think mage will get better, certainly after the patch next week, because if Steeler Warlock gets deleted from the format, that Reduces the incentive to run aggressive decks. It makes Handlock and Quest Shaman stronger. And Quest Mage is pretty much the perfect answer to those decks. Unlike something like... You know... <laughs> Celestial... Well, Celestial Joy is not even good against Handlock. It's it's pretty bad against Handlock. But unlike like the more narrow niche counters that you see sometimes pop up in order to try and beat Shaman or Warlock or maybe even both... Quest Mage is... Has more of a chance against other things. Um, yes, it struggles against aggression, but if the deck isn't quite hyper-aggressive, it definitely has game. It has game against something like Paladin, it has game against things like Elemental Shaman. If you give it any sort of time, it can stabilize. It even does well against like Tondroid because you have the AoE effects. So with mage, if you don't really hard pressure their life total and your damage is mostly centered on the board, then mage has is going to have a reasonable matchup against you, and that is the big deal. That it makes it different from something like poison rogue, for example. So um, I look at quest mage and I see a deck that's likely going to get better after the patch. Right now it's struggling because again, steeler meta not really suits it very well. It does fine against Steeler Warlock. It just everything that Steeler creates is is sort of uh, unproductive for Quest Mage's success on ladder. Um, so once that goes away, I see Mage coming back. It's gonna be in the master stores, I'm pretty sure, because it's very good against Shaman. And if you bet ban- like. It, it, whether you leave up Warlock or not, just the fact that Mage is such a strong deck to Shaman and the fact that Shaman is going to be very, very popular already gives it some extra value. And the fact that it beats Handlock uh, very convincingly too is also something that you should keep in mind. So Mage is likely going to be in the Master's Tour. It's likely going to be a part of the that format's meta. Uh, when it comes to the build, though, you know, I looked into, tried to look into ways into improving aggressive matchups. And lo and behold, Shooting Star made its way back. Um, very low hmm. sample size, not super confident, not super confident about this. But the early results combined with the fact that we know how good this card has been already in the archetype and how good it is at beating certain aggressive strategies and how Hunter and Pre- Priest are very prevalent right now. Makes it very much worth trying. Also, other options are not that enticing. Pix's blast, not that great, especially not now after the patch. One um, thief's not impressed with that card whatsoever. I think that card is pretty bait. Um, yes, it discovers. Yes, it theoretically helps you progress the quest, but you know, whiffing a uh, spring water is game losing. And it it can actually be a liability in, in in certain matchups where you don't want to give your opponent ways to target minions with their spells, like Warlock, for example. And uh,
1: Devo missiles as well. I know you talked about being somewhat overrated. And I'm not surprised to see that continue.
0: Yeah, it, it's 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 overrated. Now people are saying, oh, in the mirror you can play one Thief and just target like you have more minions to target your own spells with. It doesn't really, it doesn't really transpire that way. <laughs> You'd actually rather run a Pixis blast in the mirror than one thief. But um, yeah, I think there is merit to testing out Shooting Star. We'll see what happens after the patch. But if you want to counter the best decks in the format, and your skill cap isn't as gargantuan, and mm. you might uh, want to run Quest Mage instead of Stealer Warlock. Uh, that's, that's pretty much the message. If Hmm.
1: My skill cap is like reasonably sized, but then it would just be reasonable hat and that
0: doesn't work. Hmm. That does make sense. Hmm.
1: So, there's no other mage decks, but I want to talk about the deck that is at the top of the Vicious Syndicate Gold App tier list, Secret Paladin. Let's talk about Secret Paladin, Zach.
0: It's kind of funny, right? Secret Paladin is the best performing deck on ladder, except at top legend, where it's just one of the strongest decks in the format, and it continues to be the case. Uh, it's it's really funny. This deck is nuts, <laughs> but it gets no respect. No respect. Yes, absolutely zero respect. Uh, we might see paladins this master store. I can see it because Paladin is a pretty good answer to. Pretty much all the lineups that try to counter the standard lineup. And it's also reasonable against aggression, like hand buff Paladin, for example. But I'm not sure. Like, top level players really hate Paladin. Like, (laughs) it feels like they will not touch it unless it has like a 60% win rate. If it's not 60%, then it's not good enough. And even then, uh, you would hear people saying that Paladin is overrated or something like that. It's one of the few minion decks that seems like it beats Handlock. At least, like, narrowly. Because because the thing is that, like, Handlock is... All of its removal is damage-based. So if you have a lot of Divine Shielded stuff, then it can get awkward for the Warlock to remove your stuff. Um, it, 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 it's It's... I'm not saying... It's not... It's not super. It's not super paladin favorite. It depends on on the handlock build mostly, but paladin definitely can give warlock troubles. Um, Secret paladin is very good against a lot of the slower decks that you see. All these janky, experimental things like celestial droid. Whenever you think about a deck, oh, this deck has a very situational. Then it probably loses the paladin. <laughs> Pretty much every time, all these decks that we talked about, the polarizing decks, they get destroyed by Paladin. Hmm. I'm looking at the data, the Quest Demon Hunter matchup, quite good for the Paladin. Quite good, it's an understatement hat, but yeah, but pretty much. So Paladin kind of destroys the funzy decks that quirky and weird, uh, it, it demolishes that. So the interesting thing about Secret Paladin Nobody's touching it, right? Nobody's refining it because the top level players don't care about this deck. But it's still just doing really well just with double conviction double banner master. i I think conviction is still a good card in this deck. I'm less sure about whether we want to run double banner master, but I I need a point of comparison. That, like nobody's trying to work on this archetype, so it makes it very hard for me to to tweak it further and make uh, uh, additional changes. When it comes to hand buff paladin though, quite a lot of findings the main one conviction sucks straight up sucks in this deck not only it sucks so much it's so underwhelming maybe I'm over like maybe I'm being a bit exaggerating when I say it sucks so much but it's so underwhelming that there's a reasonable assessment here to say that it's probably better off you're probably better off just not running conviction at all just running one night of anointment and just the two hands of a doll. So like a th- it's like you turn it into like a three card package, huh. a cycling package that you're you're happy to run, but it's really not the the deck's power. The dex power really doesn't come from that package. Because if you play knight and you draw two mana conviction, it's just not worth it. It's not even worth like it's it's not worth playing on one. Playing turn one no, uh, knight to draw conviction, what do you do? It's it's like nothing. It doesn't matter. You play it's the one minute one one blood, right? Yeah, it's it's basically that. It's just not worth running. It's good in secret paladin still, but in Handbuff paladin, it just doesn't The thing is, like without battlemaster being as fast as it used to be, it's just not a reliable finisher anymore. Uh you're much better off focusing on your primary win condition because the primary win condition for secret paladin is to stick conviction, right? land conviction but in hand paladin now the primary wing condition changes from sticking to minions so we can conviction battle master to just sticking minions this is now the the core strategy in the core wing condition of the deck which is also why divine shield value grew a lot more uh there are several reasons for it one perpetual flame if you run a lot of Divine Shielded Minions, it makes it far more likely that Perpetual Flame is going to be ineffective against you. Compared to just, like, running things like Neophyte, what does that do? <laughs> like, two mana Perpetual Flame is still fine can clear your board if it's not sticky. But if you run a lot of sticky stuff, you can make it harder for the Shaman, you can make it harder for the Warlocks, right? And since you do have, like, things like Catacombs Guard and stuff, like, you have a lot of Swings... In the deck, you can fight aggression pretty effectively. You can force close matchups against the hyper-aggressive decks, things like Priest and Hunter. So, handbuff Paladin seems quite good. By cutting Conviction, you're focusing on more threats. So you see things like Moonfang rising in value, Tail-in increasing the the consistency of Variant. There's more value in those doing those uh, in upping the curve since you're cutting. ...the fast win condition of Conviction. So that's the build that we have in the report. Highly recommend it. If you still like playing Paladin, go ahead and give it a shot. The thing is, in the stats... ...Handbuff Paladin seems worse than Secret Paladin... ...but I'm not actually sure it's the worst deck right now. The main thing that's holding Handbuff Paladin back... ...is lack of refinement. If Handbuff Paladin builds... ...adjust to the nerf to Conviction and Battlemaster... I can see it catching up with Secret Paladin. Because it, it still seems promising uh in terms of its ladder performance. And the way it performs, even though there are very clearly suboptimal car choices going on right now, makes me think that there's a lot of upside. Uh, hand handbuff paladin, uh pretty good after refinement, probably. Something like that, once people start working on it. If people start working on it,
1: but again, I think that even though I actually like the look of the version we have on the site, it's, it's a little expensive. It's a very legendary heavy, but it looks interesting. It looks
0: different. Because if you cut conviction, then you need to count, rely more on threats. So things like Moonfang become more valuable. And there's a High Lord Four Dragon in here.
1: I'm glad that we get to play that. Um, but I, I remain skeptical that we will see a lot of Legend players working on this at all because it is exactly the kind of archetype that they tend to shy away from.
0: Yep, but it works. It's pretty good. If you like Paladin, give it a try.
1: And I noticed that on the website, we uh, we made a Pirate Quest Warrior that tops set at five. So I guess we should talk about the last class, but maybe Rush Warrior should come
0: first. Quest Warrior is not good. There's no... There's no point talking about it. It's just not good. Um, it's too slow. Even if you play aggressively, it just doesn't get there fast enough. And But Rush Warrior is still good. I think um, Tian Ding? Yes.
1: The Team 5 data scientist. In his report, the, the Rush Warrior hovers around 50% win rate. It is the number 10 deck list on his list of win percentage overall for the top 1% of players it is that 50.1% is the bottom on the list, but it's still on the list. But the sample size from
0: our data is so low because no one is interested. Yeah, we, we don't have a reliable sample on Rush Warrior. I just know that it faded at around a 50% win rate. Like it's it's it it, it, lower, it dropped under the threshold for us to reliably estimate when it was around 50% win rate and even our low estimate measures it at around that mark so if that is the case then uh, the deck is still functional it's just that people are just not interested in playing it uh and and yeah and they probably never will because it just seems to me like all the old baron's decks are decks that just people are not interested in playing uh, you look at Death Rattle, Demon Hunter. I think Death Rattle, Demon Hunter, to a lesser extent, people still play it because they're trying the fell package with Jace, which is not good. But they're still trying it, right? Because there's new cards. There's some incentive to try something new with that archetype. And then Hunter has a really important meta role, which is why it's popular. Uh, and a lot of decks like playing Face Hunter. But Warrior is this deck that didn't really capture the hearts of anyone, right? Doesn't have anything new and exciting that you can test. I mean, yeah, Harbor Scamp is a good card, but is it exciting? No. So you're left with a deck that just nobody cares about, even though it's functional. So Warrior is not dead. It's just essentially dead because nobody cares, right? right? If a deck has a 50% winner, but nobody plays it, does it matter? No, it doesn't matter because it's not played. And
1: that's Warrior. And, you know, Thrall and Garash. Once we're the closest of friends, but they've grown apart because Thrall is at the top of the win rate and Garrosh at the low end of the play rate. And that's where he will stand until he has something more interesting to do. Well, Zach, we've had a pretty exhaustive look at the last meta of the 21.0.3 patch. And uh, pretty insane that we got, what, one and a half weeks of this meta and then we're going to have another, uh, another nerf patch
0: before the next one? Two weeks. We're going to have two weeks of this meta, because next Tuesday we're going to have another round changes. Probably directed at the leading Stealer of Souls from the format. Uh, Maybe a nudge to Handlock.
1: Unclear what their last Warlock nerf is going to be, but yeah.
0: Yeah, but it's probably Stealer to like six mana, something like that. Maybe with a stat change, but like Ilganoth. It's going to get the Ilganoth treatment, I'm pretty sure. Uh, The other change, I think the most sensible thing is to nerf Flesh Giant, but they could surprise us. We don't know. It could be Soul Rend. Could be Touch of the Nathrazim. Could be Backfire. I'd rather not. I'd rather just nerf Flesh Giant. That's the best card in the deck. Just nerf it. Please. Just just nerf it to ten or something. Or it could be just a wild change. I don't know. Maybe they're nerfing Crystallizer hat. <laughs> Who knows? Right?
1: We don't It'll know. Be. It's they as Alex said warlock changes. Crystallizer is so. a neutral.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it's warlock. It is. So. Technically. Maybe it's a Yeah, it could be a wild nerf. It could be related to wild because wild is kind of... There's a problem with wild. If you want like a two-sentence meta report for wild, here, I'll give it to you. It's hard to make wild reports when there are balance changes every two weeks, right? You guys realize that by the time we collect any data, the thing reboots and we have to count again.
1: Yeah, and the sample size is so much lower.
0: No, there is a decent sample size. It's just you need to work on the report, Like by the time you collect data and even start working on a report, then there are balance changes. You can't do anything. So you have to start from scratch. You're not going to publish a report with data from all sorts of patches, different patches, and and aggregate the win rates together, right? You're not going to learn anything meaningful from that. You have to like collect data from the same patch and the same balance changes. So every time there's a patch, it just kicks the rock down further down the road. But... In terms of Wild, if you want to know about Wild, Warlock is really strong. I know, it's, it's shocking to me. But you know what else is strong in Wild? Warrior. <laughs> warrior is nuts in Wild. Like, the Pirate question, uh, Warrior build is looking insane. So it's not like Warlock is alone, dominant at the top by itself, and there's no one else that that's really good. Warrior seems really good as well. But yeah, Warlock and Wild is pretty oppressive, considering he has one of the high rate, highest win rates in a format and a play rate around 30%. Like, from high diamond to legend, top legend, gets even more ridiculous. Corbett's posted some screenshots of his opponent
1: count, and like, he has had, in 100 game sessions, where more than half his opponents were
0: Warlocks. Yeah, that's, that's pretty crazy. But we'll see... He did say, uh, Alec did say feels focused, so I don't know what the second change is. I just feel like Handlock is broken and we need to nerf it. I feel it. Yeah, yeah. I feel I mean, it. The, the data also feels it. Don't nerf it too hard. This is a warning, and, and like like for people who are probably going to complain about Warlock not being nerfed hard enough, there is Shaman to consider. We want to keep Warlock around. We don't want to delete Warlock. If we delete Warlock, the meta is not going to be better. It's not going to make the meta better. Because we need something to stop Shaman. Because that deck is nuts.
1: The format is based on the symbiotic relationship of all the decks having encounters. And you need to make sure that Shaman still has something that beats it. That's not just Mage. Hat, Perpetual Flame at 2 mana. How good of a card is it? I think it's still a good card, right? Good enough to keep playing. Right? It's so nuts. And and it solves the wand maker problem.
0: It's one mana right now. It's one mana. And sometimes it's it's not even overloading you because you play it on a phase one and the game is over. Or sometimes it (sighs) overloads your opponent's face for six. Sometimes, yeah. Like with overdraft. Oh, this card is so nuts with overdraft. That's another reason, by the way, guys, why overdraft is good. Like, you're playing, like, against Anaconda Druid, and they're playing Glowfly Swarm against you. And you go Perpetual Flame Overdraft. How disgusting is that? Pretty good. Pretty good.
1: Well, everyone, thank you so much for listening. We hope you enjoyed this look into the 21.03 meta. Uh, you, and really extra special thanks to our VS Golden Patreon supporters. Um, and look forward to our next report in two weeks from this recording. So that would be on September 9th. But the next podcast will be next weekend on Saturday the 4th.
0: And it's gonna, you better listen to this podcast because I'm going to rant and overreact and, and, and say things, all sorts of new things about the new meta. And yeah, yeah it's going to be exciting. There's n- new developments, new meta. What's going to happen? What's going to happen next? Is Quest Hunter going to break the game?
1: But that's the secret. That's the secret, Zach. Every podcast we do is exciting, especially these days. And by the way, let's take the opportunity to give a special shout out to Alec Dawson, the designer, for quote tweeting our last show and 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 telling us that we had a great framing of the of the Steeler nerfs and discussion and all that and about how they make adjustments. Uh Alec, really appreciate you uh taking the time to shout us out and sharing us with your many many followers. Yep,
0: yeah, thank you very much Alec. Uh I think over time, you know, a few a couple of interviews and and just learning uh, how Team 5, how their philosophy um, is shaped uh, really helps us kind of understand their motives and kind of be able to predict their, their next actions as well. Because uh, one thing I can say about the current iteration of Team 5 and, it, and its final design team is that they are very consistent in what they do. There is a lot of consistency in how they approach things and how they nerf things and how they balance things, which makes it easier to predict what they do. And in this case, being predictable is a good thing. It's not a bad thing. Uh, because if you have consistency in, in what you're doing, what your approach is, then it's easier to uh, settle community expectations. Yes. At least in standard. Yeah.
1: Well, thank you, Alec. And then, our last friend to thank, Steven Sensei, thank you so much for the intro and outro. That's going to do it for this week's show. We'll talk to you soon.
0: The Data Reaper Podcast is an official production of Vicious Syndicate. Don't forget to sign up and contribute your game data to improve the quality of the weekly Data Reaper report. Instructions are available on our website, along with lots of other weekly content at vicious vicioussyndicate.com. Thank you to all of our patrons and data contributors for proving their strength in numbers.